Tis the holiday season, and it is a college football bowl frenzy, and we've got everything that you need for your best enjoyment of the bowl season right here on Strong as Steel. Great to have you along, everybody. Happy holidays to you and yours, and what would the holidays be without uh, just an overwhelming amount, but that's the way we like it, of college football bowl action I'm Michael Regai, and as always, pleased to be joined by the author of Phil Steele's College Football Preview, philsteele.com, where I'm going to tell you about the confidence pool coming up in a couple of minutes inside the press box and a whole lot more. Happy holidays to our man, Phil Steele. How you doing, buddy? You know, I'm doing great, Michael, and for everybody listening to the podcast right now that's thinking, hey, I missed out on the live version Blog Talk Radio had a little glitch in their uh, system today, and it was not available for our regular 1 o'clock time. So we're taping this tonight. Uh, We're going to hit all 21 of the first half of the bowl games, and then next Thursday we hit the final 20 bowl games, including all the big ones, and we will take your calls for that at the normal 646-668-2248. But no call in today. Due to the computer glitch, we wanted to make sure we got this out, got it out there, so that you could listen to it on your uh, iTunes on Thursday morning, and that's why we're taping it tonight. But don't worry, we'll touch every one of those first 21 bowl games. That's exactly right, because, Phil, we do not want our faithful, strongest steel listeners to think that we're Grinches right before the, the football <laughs> bowl extravaganza begins. That's right. <laughs> Yeah, that's the last thing we want. So here's what we're going to do. Phil just laid it out. We're going to go in two parts. So we're going to give you 21 bowl games. You know, it all starts this coming Saturday, December the 17th. There are uh, six games on Saturday. We're going to take you up tonight on uh, this version, our first of two, on our Strongest Steel Bowl preview shows, right through December 27th. And there's three games on the 27th. So we'll go right through the Cactus Bowl, Boise State and Baylor tonight. And then, as Phil said, we get back next week, and we'll be ready to roll for the final half and uh, the New Year's Six and on into the college football playoff. So, Phil, what do you say, man? Like we said, we're we're, we're spreading the holiday cheer. Phil, let's start with uh, the, the Celebration Bowl down in Atlanta. Now, this is a little bit, uh, it's confusing to some people. But it's Grambling State against North Carolina Central, MEAC and, and the SWAC. And as we said, this, this is going to be played in Atlanta coming up on Saturday. And it's squads that wanted to make sure that they had a bowl opportunity, correct, as opposed to seeing if they could get into the playoff structure within the, uh, the FCS. Yeah, and now for the listeners out there that are listening to us break down this game, why are we breaking down this game? If you enter a bowl confidence contest, the one on ESPN, they have 42 mm-hmm. slots. One's a championship game, and one is this game that uh, uh, Michael just touched upon, Grambling and NC Central, and this is uh, the Celebration Bowl. This is part of of the uh, forecast on the Bowl Confidence Contest. So if you go to the philsteel.com, click on uh, the Bowl Confidence Contest right on the front page, takes you right to the ESPN site, and you'll be able to join and compete against Michael and compete against myself 
and see who ends up with the most points. But let's break down this game. And these are two teams that actually would have been in the FCS playoffs had it not been for this game. What the two leagues decided was that they would take their league champs and play them in this game, a nationally televised one on Saturday on ESPN, rather than go to the playoffs. When you look at Grambling, they deserve to be in the playoffs this year. They have one loss the entire season, a 10-point loss to Arizona. And the amazing thing about that game, uh, Michael, was the fact that they led. And at the half, it looked like Grambling was on their way to a blowout win against Arizona. Uh, the score at the half was Grambling 21-3. to They had 303 yards offense. They lost their starting quarterback in the second half, and that's when Arizona made the comeback. Now, they got him back, and ever since then, they have not lost a game. Their last game against Elkhorn State was a close one, 27-20. Needed a late comeback to get that. But NC uh, Central is a team that also playing extremely good football this year. In fact, they've only lost two games all year. One was to Duke on the road. The other one was to Western Michigan on the road. A couple of pretty good teams. And they blasted NCANT, which, by the way, the second-place team in the MEAC made the playoffs because uh, NC Central turned it down. But they beat that playoff squad 42-21 to in their final game. Now, in Vegas right now, Grambling a 14-and-a-half-point favorite in this game. I think that's a little rich. I think it's that Grambling is going to win, but only probably in the 7- to 10-point range here. But if you're playing bold confidence contest, it's always better to go with a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. So go ahead and put your check mark by Grambling in this game for the bold confidence contest. And I think you could put double-digit points on it as well when you're playing along there. All right, double-digit points. Again, you're going to assess points from 1 to 42, as Phil said. 42 being the game that you believe there's no chance that it can go down. That can go awry on you. And then, of course, uh, all the way down to one. Hey, Phil, we mentioned uh, at philsteel.com the confidence pool, and that always garners a lot of attention. But listen, I was checking out inside the press box today, and your checklist page uh, that is going to, I think, be a must-have, assessments with matchups each position, uh, you go through of the two squads that uh, play each other in bowl competition. You break down all the position groupings with your check mark advantages. It's the checklist page. And should we call our man, our producer, Jim Nabosna, in here? Because we got a special deal for everybody to, because we aren't Grinches, we're Santa Claus during the holiday season. So, hey, Jimmy Boz, welcome. And uh, on uh, how are we going to make sure that everybody in inside the press box has Phil's checklist pages for the bowl games? So what you need to do, Michael, is send everyone to steelsweeklypreview.com and you subscribe to a bowl game package or a postseason package. And if you enter the promo code STEEL, you get 10% off a postseason package, which includes all the bowl games and the NFL playoff games as well. Oh, nice. And how much NFL is it for the playoffs uh, too? How much, how much is it for the bowls in the NFL playoffs, Jimmy? Eighty-nine dollars, but you will now be getting it for seventy-nine dollars as a strong as steel listener. You know, every time we bring him on, Michael, he always cuts money out of my pocket. There, <laughs> I, I don't know why you want to bring him on here, but there you go. Enter the code steel. Steelsweeklypreview.com and take even more money off our already discounted price, but. Way to go, Jimmy. I'm glad you brought up the special. <laughs> yeah, you know it. It's the holiday we're up, we're season. Up, <laughs> we were plotting before the 
<laughs> for holiday season, and uh, we're gonna get we're gonna might give some of <laughs> some of those that uh, get into uh, inside the press box. Stillsweeklypreview.com. We might even send them some eggnog. I don't know. That'll be on me. We'll see how that goes. Great to have all of you with us on <laughs> yeah on strongest steel. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, and our producer Jim. Nabosna. Again, we're taping this show tonight. It's our first of two shows that we're going to do, our bowl preview shows on Strongest Steel. We're going to go right through December 27th tonight, 21 bowl games. We just grabbed you one. So let's keep moving on. Let's go to uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now, this game will be played on Saturday. And Bob Davies, it's like a home game, Phil, as he's uh, tangling with the uh, University of Texas, San Antonio. What uh, Davy and his boys, but a six and a half point favorite. Does that sound right? Yeah, right now they're seven and a half point favorite for New Mexico, and it is their home field. Nice advantage to have here. And uh, you know, New Mexico has had a pretty good season. They beat Wyoming fifty six thirty five, beat Air Force forty five to forty. So they've had some good wins against the best competition, Boise, Colorado State. They came up clo- uh, short, short, but uh, overall a good season. They run the triple option offense, which is always difficult to defend. They averaged 361 yards per game on the ground, 6.8 yards per carry. Uh, Defensively this year, they're actually a little bit better than last year. Last year, they gave up 438 yards per game. They've trimmed at the 397. Now, UTSA is an interesting squad. They're a new startup. They've only been playing football about five years. Not much was expected. They opened up one and three. They did give Arizona State a really good game. They led Arizona State in that game by 16 points in the third quarter. Came up just short. They upset Southern Miss as a 20 as a three touchdown underdog. Later, they upset Middle Tennessee State as a three touchdown underdog, and that helped them get to six wins. And that game against Texas A&M, they only lost by 13 points. Dalton Sturm took over at QB, did well in the first nine, but over the last three games, Jared Johnson, a transfer from FCF Sam Houston State. Uh, saw a lot of action in the second half of those games. In fact, led them to a lot of their points in those games. Jarvion Williams and Jalen Rhodes, a potent combination at running back. Now, naturally, uh, you look at the schedules. Both teams have played among the weaker schedules in the NCAA. Uh, UTSA does have the advantage of being a bowl underdog here. New Mexico's got a lot of advantages, including the site and coaching edge. Uh, Bob Davies, a bowl veteran. Meanwhile, it's the first bowl game for uh, Frank Wilson. So add it all up. I like New Mexico to win the game, but I think UTSA going to stay in this one, much like they have in a good amount of the games where they've been a lar- an underdog. So I think New Mexico wins, but UTSA keeps it under the 7.5. Wow, good call. I'm going to go with uh, Davey in New Mexico here with that home field and that triple option. Tough to, uh, I think, uh, counter, but we'll see how that plays out. That's the... Um, that's a New Mexico Bowl, of course, in Albuquerque at the home of Bob Davey and New Mexico. All right, also one, on December one, 7th. One advantage some, some teams have for uh, when they play yeah. the option in a bowl game is they have three to four weeks to prepare for the option, which is always a nice True. plus because during the season, you're trying to prepare for the option on one week, and that's almost impossible to do. But in the bowls, it's a nice advantage to have. 
Sure. Uh, also on December 17th, let's uh, take it into the desert, Las Vegas, where the uh, the Las Vegas Bowl will be played. I, Phil, I like this matchup. Now, I know Tom Herman, of course, he's moved on to Texas, but the Houston Cougars uh, against that uh, Donnell Pumphrey, the young man you and I have been talking about on the show virtually every week, and the Aztecs of San Diego State. Rocky Long's done a good job this year. Houston is favored in this, and yet, I don't know, can Pumphrey at San Diego State really make the nation stand up and take notice in this one, Phil? Well, Pumphrey uh, should become the uh, FBS all-time career-leading rusher after this game is over. Now, unfortunately, they don't count bowl stats for Ron Dane, which uh, I'm really strange is uh, how the NCAA doesn't count bowl stats, especially when you know the bowl stats recently, but that's just the rules that they have. But these are two teams, uh, when you look at San Diego State, they've got one of the best defenses in the country, and they played great defense all year until they wrapped up their division title. Then they lost to Wyoming on the road, got blown up by Colorado State at home, and they probably should have beat Wyoming by more than the three points in the Mountain West Championship game, but just couldn't stick it in the end zone at the end of the game. Now, Houston, on the other hand, they got off. You, you know two of Houston's games. You watched them. They beat Oklahoma in the opener, 33-23 impressively, and then they smashed Lamar Jackson and Louisville 36-10, and that wasn't even much of a game. Very impressed with a guy like Ed Oliver, who, by the way, in my 2007 or 2018 magazine, will be my projected number one pick in the draft. Ed Oliver's just a dominating force. Yeah, he's dominating up front. Uh, also for Houston, they've been a little banged up this year. Greg Ward, their quarterback's been banged up all year. Their running back core was really hit hard by injury. Duke Catalan led the team in rushing with 510 yards. He's a Texas transfer, should be fully healthy here. Their linebacking core missed a good portion of the middle of the season, and Houston didn't play well as a big favorite. They lost a couple of games as a big favorite, uh, like the SMU and Navy, and even Memphis in the season final. But uh, I think you're going to see Houston play the Ray game. These are two of the best group of five teams by far. I, I wouldn't have been sad had either one of these two got into the Cotton Bowl because they both would have been deserving. Uh, the matchup I like best here is Houston's rush defense, which has given up just 98 yards per game, 2.9 yards per carry, going against Pumphrey and Rashad Penny. Penny, by the way, averaged 7.9 yards per carry for the Aztecs. But if they can't run the ball, I think they're in trouble. And I think Houston could take away the run from pretty much anybody they face this year. So I'm going to go with a healthier Houston team. And even though you guys know me, I've been riding San Diego State almost all season as they were dominating right. and beaten up by their Mountain West foes. I'm going to go with Houston, minus the uh, four and a half here. All right, I'm with Phil on this. And uh, the one thing that we're going to give you, if you want that, I don't know, who knows, you want that uh, that side play and uh, some of those uh, other ways to grab action. I'm going to go that uh, Donnell Pumphrey, Phil, will go over 108 yards and become uh, the all-time uh, career FBS rushing leader, as you said, breaking Ron Dane's mark. Uh, yeah, 5'9", 180 pounds, sometimes, you know, doesn't look the part. Phil, you and I were talking about that before the show. But this guy has had some of the most phenomenal runs we've seen all season long, huh? And the amazing thing about Pumphrey is uh, he's not a rocked-up guy. He's, he's actually uh, doesn't have a lot of muscle on his body. But I have been picking the Aztecs steadily the last two years in Mountain West Conference play and uh, being rewarded generously by it. And I have watched him go into a pile of 300-pound players thinking, 
my lord, that guy's never going to get out of there. And he just hops up, runs back to the huddle, and runs for eight yards again on the next play. He is a durable, tough dude, despite lacking the uh, the bulk of maybe somebody like a Tyler Irvin had last year coming out of San Jose State. No doubt about it. Hey, great to have all of you on Strongest Steel. We're taping this show tonight again. We, Our Blog Talk uh, radio uh, network had a, a bit of a technical glitch today, so we're taping this one. You will still be available uh, to get this. Uh, get us on iTunes. It should be up by uh, tomorrow morning, and you should be all set to go. As Phil likes to say, you know, whether you're, you're driving to work, coming home from work on your lunch break, you can... You can dial us in and uh, get yourself locked in for uh, a tremendous bowl season as we go through 42 games. All right, so Phil and I both like Houston over San Diego State. Let's move to uh, Montgomery, Alabama. Uh, this also is one of the six out of the shoot on Saturday, December 17th. First time we saw uh, the uh, Appalachian State squad this year, Phil, they, they, were, they were almost taking Tennessee down. That was about 15 weeks ago, back in Labor Day weekend. And now they get from the Mid-American Conference the Toledo Rockets. This one expected to be close. The odds makers have Toledo a slight favorite. Phil, let's go through it. A lot of, lot of interesting uh, ways that this one could go. Yeah, when I look at it, to me, the clear-cut advantage for App State in this game is on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, when you look at them defensively this year, they're holding opponents to 74 yards below their season average, 327 yards per game. Uh, so they, they've got a uh, veteran defense, and they've got one that's uh, tough. You look at that Tennessee game, for example. They held Tennessee to 129 yards below their season average, the third best of any team in the country. And Tennessee took on a grueling schedule. They had the third best defense of any team in the country against Tennessee. Uh, and so it's a tough defense. Offensively, while App State's got weapons and veteran weapons, Marcus Cox at running back, Taylor Lamb at quarterback, i got to give the clear edge here to Toledo. Logan Woodside's a guy hitting 69% of his passes. He's got a 43-9 ratio. Kareem Hunt who's got uh, close to 1,500 yards rushing, 5.6 yards per carry. And then Cody Thompson, a 1,000-yard receiver as well. Uh, Toledo has the clear edge on offense. In fact, they're averaging 128 yards above what their opponents average. So right there, you've got strength against strength. And if the two teams have a weakness, it'd be Toledo's defense and App State's offense, But although both are decent. Uh, and so that's that's really going to be the key matchup here. Now, other factors to look at, special teams, I give the edge of Toledo. And that could very well be the tipping factor here. The site, a little bit of an edge, being in Montgomery, Alabama, to App State, which is a lot closer. They're 375 miles away, Toledo 660. So a very competitive game, solid one between two teams that uh, could easily have been conference champs. I think it's going to be a fun game to watch. With that special team edge going with Toledo, I think I'm going to slant a little bit in Toledo's way. How about you, Michael? Yeah, well, you know, Phil, and I'll, I'll admit, a little, I love the App State program. I've had the good fortune down through the years to uh, call a, a few of their, their games, of course, on the ESPN family and networks. I've called them in the FCS playoffs, so I have a great deal of respect for the program, but um I think that uh, Kareem Hunt is going to go out with a, uh, a real big bang. Logan Woodside's had a fabulous year. And as you said, while App State's uh, offense is okay, Toledo's defense is okay, 
I'm going to say Toledo's offense is going to make the uh, the difference in this one. So I'm with you. I'm going to uh, take the Toledo Rockets in this one. All right, let's move on now. Down in Orlando on December the 17th, uh, we've um, uh, got almost uh, another home game, as it were, as um, uh, you'll see Arkansas State tangle with um, Central Florida. So this is uh, Scott Frost's squad, UCF, against Arkansas State. Uh, UCF's about a touchdown favorite in this one, Phil. Uh, you know, Arkansas State, we've talked about them a whole lot during the year and that this is a, a bowl-tested program. How do you see this one playing out? Remember at the start of the year in the Sun Belt, Michael, in my magazine, I picked Arkansas State and App State to tie for first in the Sun Belt. That's exactly what yep. they did, but Arkansas State really should have won that title. The one game they lost in Sun Belt action was against UL Lafayette. And in that game, they had a 28 to 15 first down edge, 521 to 292 yard edge. It came up five points short, and it cost them the outright title in Sun Belt play. Now, their non-conference play, they sort of treated like non-conference games, including a loss to Central Arkansas. But when you're looking at them, the, the key switch was early on. They started with Chad Voitick at QB. They went to Justin Hansen. Hanson had a 16-8 ratio. They've got the diminutive Warren Wand, who's probably about five foot five at running back. A lot of fun to watch, and they've got some talented receivers. They also have a very solid defensive front. Uh, these guys can get pressure on you. They recorded 37 sacks this year, and down the stretch in the last seven games, they held their opponents under 100 yards rushing four times, and on the season just allowed 3.8 yards per carry. Now Central Florida is a very interesting team in the fact that they're in the bowl game and uh, finished 4-4 four and four in the AAC. Believe it or not, in their AAC games, the American Conference, they were outgained in all eight games. How does a team get outgained in all eight games yet still end up in a bowl? Well, they do it with uh, special teams. They do it with some turnovers, and uh, those things are all in their factor. But on the season, they're actually minus 20 yards this year. They do have a solid defense, holding their opponents 25 yards below their season average, but they've struggled somewhat offensively. Down the stretch, they picked it up, 402 yards against USF in the season final. Mackenzie Milton is a kid that uh, Frost recruited at Oregon, and uh, he didn't, didn't he signed with Oregon, didn't make it there, came over here. He's an athletic guy, uh, but he's not a dynamic passer. He's got a 9-7 ratio, but he can't hurt you running the football. And uh, so I, I think it's an interesting matchup. Now, UCF has played the much tougher schedule. They've taken on my number 71 schedule versus my number 126. So tougher foes this year. I think UCF's a better team. Uh, I find it tough to pick a side in this game, Michael. I would probably I, I would lean with UCF winning this somewhere between uh, four to six points, but that's exactly where the line is. Right. Yeah, exactly. So the confidence pool for you, Phil, UCF, you're leaning to that side, but it would be a low number, probably a single-digit confidence number for you, huh? Uh, quite possibly. And, and what I'm going to do, Michael, is for all the inside the press box listeners, if you're listening, you're saying, "Hey, I want to play my, I want to play this confidence pool, and I got to put my picks in by Saturday." So come on, I will have my bowl confidence contest plays for you in your inside the press box newsletter on Thursday. You get the 20 games, 
but you get all 42 of my Bowl Confidence Contest plays. So you'll get exactly what I think of the Bowl Confidence Contest if you're an Inside the Press Box member uh, tomorrow. So tomorrow when you open up, or on Thursday, if it is Thursday and you're listening to this, open up your Inside the Press Box newsletter. You get my Bowl Confidence plays absolutely free and included in there. Wow, you are going Santa Claus special, Phil Steele, to the next level this you know, holiday I love, season, man. I, I, I love the Inside the Press Box subscribers, and I'm going to keep doing more and more for them. In fact, next year I'm just fully devoted to Inside the Press Box. So uh, for all you readers of Inside the Press Box, I really appreciate you, and I'm going to give you a lot more next year than we have even the first three years. Fabulous stuff. That's the way Santa Steel. We'll refer to him as Santa Steel here on our bowl preview shows on Strong as Steel. Great to have you with us, everybody. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. Jimmy, front and center, because uh, you guys, as always, social media is so strong. Jim has uh, collected a lot of your thoughts and opinions. Now, Jimmy, we did touch on Houston and San Diego State in the Las Vegas Bowl, but why don't you run through a uh, a quick uh, three games that uh, you've had questions about and uh, thoughts about on Twitter for Phil and I. Go right ahead, Jimmy. Sounds good. We will start with Joey Shabado. He says the early play that jumped out at him was BYU. What were your thoughts on this one? You know, uh, the the first thing you would look at, it, uh, BYU is a team that you figure is going to do well in the bowl game. It's a poinsettia bowl in San Diego. Uh, we've seen BYU play very well in these, some of these San Diego bowl games, the Holiday Bowl, etc., they played the tougher schedule. They have the special teams advantage. They have a massive defensive edge. They've got the advantage of defensive line, linebacker, defensive back. Uh, I could make a good case for BYU in this one, but spreads up there. It's a nine points. And here's the thing I look at when I look at the Wyoming Cowboys. Wyoming is a team that has played all the big boys tough this year. You go back to that Nebraska game. Yeah, they lost 52-17. to You might think, well, it wasn't much of a game. Heading into the fourth quarter, it was 24-17. to They just wore down a couple of big plays. They got beat. But let's look at the other big games, and more in this level, teams like BYU. You look at an Air Force. They upset Air Force at home. How about Boise State? Boise State's one of the top group of five teams out there. They beat Boise State 30-28. to How about San Diego State? San Diego State's one of the top group of five teams out there. They beat them at home 34-33 and then only lost to them in the Mountain West Championship game by three. They've got two tremendous players on offense, or actually three. Brian Hill at running back, he's got nearly 2,000 yards rushing this year, 5.5 yards per carry. Josh Allen's a guy that can hurt you running, but also passing. He's got almost 3,000 yards passing this year and a 26-13 ratio. And then his top target, Tanner Gentry. So while their defense doesn't come anywhere near what BYU is, they probably have the edge offensively. I think Tanner Mangum will do just fine as a starting QB for BYU here, replacing Taysom Hill. But probably even gives him a, He's probably even a better fit for the offense because he's a better passer. But I'm going to take the generous points because of the way Wyoming plays the big boys, and uh, large bowl underdogs usually do well in the first part of the bowl. So my pick's Wyoming plus the points there. Taylor Quinn asks, how much does losing a coach for a bowl game hurt a team, and how do you think losing Matt Rule will affect Temple versus Wake Forest? Uh 
you know, I would say I did a study on it, and there was a, a three-year stretch, I'm going to say from about uh, 2011, 2013, where the interim head coaches were something like one and seven. They really did poor. So 14, I'm just loading up on going against the interim head coach. Same thing with 15. And guess what? Interim head coaches actually finished above 500 the last two years. So a lot of times you have to weigh the situation. Who's coming in? Who's taking over? What's the interim head coach's experience? How many of the assistant coaches are leaving with the head coach? In Temple's case with Matt Rule, uh, I think it will affect them a little bit in this game. And uh, so it would be one since they have a brand-new head coach coming in, someone that hasn't been on the staff. You take a, a team like Houston. Houston has an interim head coach in Major Applewhite. Applewhite's a guy that's been on the staff, and he is not an interim head coach. He will be the head coach next year. So I think in the case of a Houston, it doesn't hurt him at all because it's just a coaching transition. Yeah, Tom Herman not being there is going to hurt, but I like the transition fact in that Major Applewhite is their next head coach, and he'll be coaching this game. So I think you have to look at each situation differently. Appreciate the tweet. Danny Zay. He says he feels like NC State and Vanderbilt both have solid defenses with mediocre offenses. How do you feel about the low under of 44, and who do you like to win the game? Yeah, I think when you look at that, if if you're going to go one route, you probably would go the under. I realize Vanderbilt in their season final lit it up offensively, but that was against that banged-up Tennessee defense. In fact, Vanderbilt had 38 points against Mississippi, and 45 against Tennessee in their final two games. That makes me a little leery of the under. Even though the computer says go with the under, that makes it a little on the the questionable side uh, with Kyle Shermer coming into his own and with Ralph Webb there. Now, when you look at NC State, they've got a running back in Matthew Days who basically averages 100 yards per game over the last two years. Ryan Finley has been an on-and-off QB. He's the Boise State transfer, but he can have his on moments. But then they can also bring in Jalen McClendon, the athletic quarterback off the bench who's used in short-yarded situations. Now, they I would have thought over in North Carolina State, North Carolina, but only 49 points went on the board. As you touched on, their offense has been struggling. Vandy's got a very good defense. So, yeah, I think breaking down the game, you would lean with the under. The only negative I'd have there is Vandy's offense appears to be coming on a little bit. But uh, it, it's, it's one where I probably lean a little more with NC State than I do at the under. Appreciate the tweet. Yeah, all solid tweets, and uh, we'll check in with uh, our producer extraordinaire, Jimmy Nabosna, again. More coming up from you. This is our uh, our taped version of uh, Strongest Steel this week as we get set for the bowl season. Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la, right, to kick in. If you're a college football fan, you've got to love this. Uh, we'll do half the games tonight through December 27th, and then – when we get back with you uh, next week on uh, Wednesday, December the 21st, we'll pick up games uh, that, that go from that, uh, that cutoff point of December 27th through the, the uh, New Year's Six and then the college football playoff as well. But uh, a lot more to go. There's some very intriguing matchups, and that's why we want to make sure that you are on the inside with all of your analysis and how you view these matchups with, uh, with Phil and yours truly here on Strong as Steel. All right, Phil, let's uh, get back at it. Uh, on Saturday in uh, New Orleans, New Orleans, Louisiana, the New Orleans Bowl, Louisiana, as we call them now, right? No more no more Louisiana Lafayette, just Louisiana uh, against uh, Southern Miss. 
Southern Miss is uh, a favorite in this one. Phil, how do you see it? Well, I tell you, there is some value to go with Southern Miss in the fact that Nick Mullins, our outstanding quarterback, uh, missed basically three games, all three losses, Charlotte, Old Dominion, North Texas, down the stretch. But then he returned against Louisiana Tech, threw for 342 yards. In fact, Mullins basically almost didn't miss a pass that entire game. He had 29 to 33. So you've got a Southern Miss team that, if you look at the record, they come in six and six. But really, they're more of a six and three type of team this year with a healthy Nick Mullins at QB. They also have an outstanding running back in Edo Smith. And uh, defensively, their defense gives up just 334 yards per game. That's one of the better units in the country. Now, uh, with UL Lafayette, the couple of advantages that I see here, uh, they're a team that's also better than what their record has been. Uh, down the stretch, they struggled a little bit offensively, but Anthony Jennings is the LSU transfer at QB, uh, and I, I think he should, he's poised to have a pretty good game. And Elijah McGuire, their running back, he was also banged up down the stretch. Didn't have any 100-yard games the final couple of games. He should be 100%. So with the fact that you've got two of the offensive weapons were banged up down the stretch. That gives some value to the over in this game as well. I think you will see some points on the board. But ULL's got a quality defense. And uh, on the season, they're holding opponents to just 3.3 yards per carry, holding them to 21 yards below their season average. And here's the beauty of this game. If you have watched any of the New Orleans Bowls that ULL or Louisiana has participated in, uh, you know that they bring the crowd edge, and that crowd is loud. And I think they have more fans for the bowl game than they do for their regular season games. The whole place is red, and guess what's happened? They beat San Diego State. They beat East Carolina. They beat Tulane. They beat Nevada. A perfect 4-0 in this bowl game, despite the fact they were an underdog in three of those four bowl games. I'm grabbing the points in this one with ULL. Taking the points. Phil just said it, won four consecutive New Orleans Bowls. They did miss last year, right, Phil? That ended their run. That run didn't came go to a from, bowl uh, last I believe, year, right. Yeah, right. 11 to 14, they didn't go to a bowl game last year. All right, so, yeah, I'm with you on that. I'm right with you on that. We'll, we'll see if uh, Louisiana can keep rolling in their, uh, their home playpen, so to speak, in New Orleans. All right, now, on uh, Monday, December 19th, we head to Miami Beach, Florida, the Miami Bowl, and this is uh, the American Athletic in Tulsa. What a job Philip Montgomery did this year with Dane Evans as quarterback, and Phil, a struggling Central Michigan squad who started out in tremendous shape but really came apart down the stretch. At one time, they were 5-2. and two. They wound up 6-6. Six and six. I called their season finale when they got beat by Eastern Michigan. Uh, to allow Eastern Michigan to pass them in the MAC West. How do you see this, Phil? I, you know, uh, again, to me, Montgomery's done a tremendous job this year. I don't think they got what with Temple and Navy and Houston. Were they kind of the hidden gem, maybe Tulsa in the American this year? You know, I think they were. And you go back to their uh, two losses they had in the American Conference. One was to Houston. It was by seven points on the road where Houston got a fumble return for the touchdown for the win. Mm-hmm. And the other one was against Navy where they came up two points short in a shootout. They had a 576-501 yard edge. Nobody beats Navy at home, and they came up two points short in that one. So you take those two away, and this team could very well be the group of five representative. And remember, even their Ohio State game, you look at the score, and it was 48-3, to and you're thinking that was a route. But in reality, 
That thing is 6-3 to three late in the first half. And for some strange odd reason, Tulsa opts to start throwing from its own end zone in the rain and gives up 26 and 40 yard interception returns for touchdowns. And now they're trailing 20 to three at the half, as opposed to uh, six to three at the half. And it turned into a completely different game. The thing I love about Tulsa this year, Michael, you touched on Dane Evans. Really, the story has been their run game. James Flanders, yep. 1,529 yards, 6.3 yards per carry. D'Angelo Brewer, 1,330 yards, 5.4 yards per carry. Those two running backs have combined for nearly 3,000 yards rushing, and they're taking on a Central Michigan defense. And you touched on it, Michael. Central Michigan was great at the start of the year. Remember, they out, I thought they outplayed Oklahoma yeah. State. I know they won the fluky. Sure they but did. But still, they, they outgained them, outrushed them, everything. In their first two games, they held their opponents to 1.3 and 1.9 yards per carry. Since then, it's about five yards per carry. A matchup against that Tulsa offense, I think that's not a good fit. Uh, now, when you look at Central Michigan, they lost one of their top receivers earlier in the year. I think that affected their offense a little bit. And down the stretch, they had a couple of games where they had under 300 yards offense. So it's it's always good to go with the large Bulldogs. They cover about 65% of the time in these early bowls. But this is just one where I've been non-plus with Central Michigan almost over the entire second half of the year, and Tulsa's just one of those unstoppable forces. I'm going to have to lean with Tulsa in this one. i got to agree with you, Phil. In fact, I will, uh, with regard to, and you make sure you check it out at philsteel.com, we got to get you into the confidence pool in this bowl season. Phil, I will let all of our listeners know that uh, Regai will attach quite a heavy number to the Tulsa confidence side here in this one. How many points, Michael? Tulsa, I'm going to put you on the spot. I, Phil, I'm, 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 I was looking at it today. I'm thinking 36 to 38. Okay, fair enough. Yep, yep, fair 36 to 38 for me on Tulsa. All right, uh, Boca Raton uh, in, uh, of course, Boca Raton, Florida. And uh, this, this, has the, this is intriguing. Uh, Memphis, and listen, I you know again maybe Memphis is another team that uh, you got Mike Norvell, the head coach of Memphis, tremendous job, eight and four this year. Phil, remember he he coordinated Arizona State's offense for the last three years, and I mean Riley Ferguson, that strong arm QB, four TDs in the season finale, over four hundred yards against Houston. So Memphis has got Western Kentucky, another coaching change here. Phil, now, now Western Kentucky's favorite. How do you see this one? Yeah, Western Kentucky comes in about a four and a half, five point favorite in this game, and uh, yeah, I think that when the first thing I look at in this one is uh, it should be high scoring. You know, I watched Memphis against UCF, USF, and neither team could yeah. stop the other one. It was six hundred and seventy-nine to six hundred eight, and that thing should actually have gone to overtime because there was pass interference in the end zone in the end. Uh, Memphis's receiver, his arm was dragged and pulled down. He had to reach for the ball one-handed, couldn't catch it, no pass interference, or else that thing's 49-49 going to overtime. Who knows? Those teams could have scored 68 points apiece in that game. And then in their season final, even against a solid Houston defense, they put up 555 yards and beat them 48-44. Memphis's defense has struggled. They gave up over over 550 yards four times this year on the season, 443 yards. And when you look at Western, you know, their game against Louisiana Tech in the season final, shootout, 58-44. to 44. It looked like whatever team's going to have the ball last is going to win. They've got the weapons on offense with Anthony Wales. 
Uh, 2,000-yard receivers. Taewon Taylor and Nicholas Norris are two guys I think will have great success against that Memphis secondary. So I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of points. Now, Vegas understands that as well. They put the total at 79. But I would still lean with the the over in that one because there's going to be some points on the board here. And and a lot of times these these games in the bowls, the coaches have extra time to prepare. They put all kinds of trick plays and stuff. I think you'll see some of that here. Now, Memphis played a slightly tougher schedule. Uh, I think they come from the bigger conference and they're an underdog. That's a nice advantage they have. Western, no doubt, has the better defense. They're giving up about 80 yards per game less on defense. Uh, add it all up. I'm going to take the points here. There's a lot of points. I think Western probably wins, but I'm going to say a shootout and Western by a field goal. Probably a little more partial to the over than I am, though, with uh, Memphis. All right, Phil's got uh, you know a, a slight side taking the points with with uh, with Memphis, but uh, keep an eye on a game that might end in the 40s. Both squads in the 40s, and that'll that'll get you your total play. All right, let's look at uh, let's look, we've already gone through the San Diego Poinsettia Bowl with BYU and Wyoming, so let's move on to December 22nd and uh, Phil, uh, the famous Idaho potato. Now we have seen. Some very uh, wild matchups and finishes in this down through the years. This time, uh, from the mountain, Colorado State goes against uh, the homestanding gang, right? Uh, the Vandals from Idaho. Colorado State, you were just mentioning this. Phil, this is a, over a two-touchdown favorite here. Huge favorite uh, here for Colorado State. Yeah, and I like to go with the dogs in case like this. Now, it is not Idaho's home stadium. This came on the the blue turf right. at Boise. Uh, so right. Idaho, Idaho is actually 219 miles away from this one. Uh, meanwhile, Colorado State 607. I think Idaho still have the crowd edge. And naturally, if you're from Idaho and you're going to the game, I'm going to be rooting for Idaho. I mean, if you're, you know, if you're from Ohio, Michael, and you go to an Ohio bowl game, you'd be rooting for Ohio. It's just the way yeah. it is. Uh, Colorado State's a better team. They're 13 and a half point favorite. They've got the running back. Uh, that can and uh, Dalen Dawkins, who really came on in the second half of the year. Nick Stevens got benched, and they went with Colin Hill at QB. Mm. Then Hill got injured. Stevens was struggling early in the year. I mean, they threw for 63, 108 yards the first two games. Once Stevens returned, he looked like a completely different quarterback. And on the season, 65% with a 14-3 ratio, and that's really when Colorado State hit their stride. In the second half of the year, you look at the fact that they went 5-2 and two their last seven games. Losses were by five points to Boise and three points to Air Force. They obliterated San Diego State by 32, New Mexico by 18. Most of their games were blowout wins, and that's why the spread's where it is. Now, nobody's paid attention to Idaho. Heck, this is a team that's going to be playing in the FCS in two years, Michael. Kicked out of the yeah, Sun Belt. Uh, going to yep. the FCS, blah, blah, Idaho's nowhere. They're on nobody's site, but guess what? They went into ULM and came out with a win. They went into UL Lafayette, who we just talked about, a bowl team, beat them. They, uh, they hosted South Alabama, a bowl team, beat them. They played uh, a couple of really, UNLV, a bowl team, they beat them. So they played some bowl teams this year, beat them. They can be tough. Matt Linehan, you know, I'm surprised he's got a 15-10 ratio. I would have expected better. Uh, they've got some weapons at receiver. This is not a great team, but it is a good team. And being the large underdog that they are, when you match the two teams up side by side, Colorado State's a better team, but I don't know if they're two touchdowns better. And generally in the bowl games, I like to go with the large dogs. So 
I'm going with the underdog here in Idaho. Naturally, I'm going to take Colorado State to win the game outright, though. Yeah, okay. I'm going to. Uh, I'm with you, Phil. Normally on the uh, couple of touchdowns, double-digit point dog, but I'm going to ride Colorado State here. I think the Rams are uh, going to look to put one on Idaho. And so I'll go Colorado State. All right. You know, Phil, we've been saying this is a Christmas season, and everybody's thinking about their holiday plans and getting together for all their bowl game parties. But our man Phil Steele, he is hard at work thinking about 2017. Hey, hey buddy, just a quick aside here. So where are you at with uh, the Phil Steele's college football preview 2017 edition? Where's the progress meter at? Well, I tell you what, every year, the uh, Sunday after Thanksgiving, I start writing my first write-through. I do three write-throughs of every team. And to do the first write-through, what I do is I read through every article written about the team for every year. This year, for this week, for today, I should say, for example, I just read through UTSA. Tim Griffin, who covers the team for the San Antonio uh, newspaper, does a phenomenal yep. job covering that team. I mean, I know everything about every position, all the injuries, who was banged up, who got passed on the depth chart, who had the big games, who came out of the game in the third quarter. I mean, he followed the team tremendously well. I feel like I've been in the locker room at UTSA after going through the team today. So I did my first write-through on it. Yes, they still have the bowl game to go. I'll tweak it after the bowl. But then I do a second write-through, which is pre-spring, a third write-through, which is post-spring. So everything gets filtered in and factored in. But it's really the way that I make sure the magazine's done so thoroughly throughout the year. So right now I'm done with 13 teams. Last week I got zero teams done because I was going through the bowl checklist for inside the press box. Mm -hmm. I took every position, matched them up side by side. It took me about two hours to go through each bowl game. I put one, two, three, or four checks on each position to the side. When I get down to the bottom, add it all up, and I think you'll find these extremely accurate at the end of the bowls. Whoever's got the most checks marked on their side usually wins the game. And if you're an Inside the Press Box subscriber, you get the bowl checklist along with your regular sheet, which is all the complete statistical breakdown. You get my computer's play on every bowl game, and then you get my play on every bowl game. So it's really the complete package. Our producer, Jimmy, keeps trying to give away the stories giving it away for 79 bucks right now at steelsweeklypreview.com. Go there and type in the code word STEEL, and you'll be able to get it for 79 Or if you call the offices, you can get it still at a great price, $89. I mean, that's huge savings over what it should be. Every bowl game covered, every playoff game covered through the Super Bowl, 866-918-7711. Can't beat it. Make sure you check it out inside the press box, Steel's Weekly Preview. Dot com. Great to have you along, everybody. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. All right, Jimmy, you're going to go on uh, on Twitter alert here in a minute. I'm going to get one more in here. We're going to go the Bahamas Bowl, right? Popeye's <laughs> Bahamas Bowl. Nassau, funky Nassau, as the song used to say. Phil, we've had some wild, wild finishes. Central Michigan in the, uh, the Nassau Bahamas Bowl. Mac against Conference USA. Don't sleep on Bobby Wilder and his old Dominion Monarchs. Hey, they are, they're a solid football team. And, Phil, you know, we've been fought Chris Creighton and his Eastern Michigan Eagles from the MAC. First bowl appearance, Phil, for Eastern Michigan since 1987. Back with Jim wow. Harkum. I would, that's when I started calling MAC games to show, show you how old I am. But uh, <laughs> they, they, 
They haven't been. So Eastern Michigan's getting to their first bowl game since 87, you know, 29 years ago. Phil, how do you see this one in the uh, the Popeyes Bahama in Nassau, the Bahamas? You know, I love what I saw at Eastern Michigan this year. You go back to that uh, earlier in the year when they played Wyoming. I thought they dominated Wyoming. They had a 500-313 yard edge. They had some crucial turnovers, kept Wyoming in the game. Wyoming's a bowl team. They can run the football with Ian Erickson and Breck Turner. They can throw Brogan Roback. You know, at the start of the year, they struggled. They, you know, against Missouri, they uh, they lost that game. But Roback was suspended. When he came back, it's been a completely different offense. 16 touchdowns passing, just six interceptions. And the defense has played better than expected, giving up just 4.3 yards per carry. And I say just because last year they gave up 6.5 yards a carry. So yeah. it's made dramatic strides at defense. Now, I've been talking to Coach Wilder since, oh, I think three or four years now at ODU. And I can, each year he's building this team the right way, and he's got this thing built. Now, he said when they were to start a program, they had to throw the football all over the field. That's the only way they could be competitive in games. So they had no defense, and they had no run game, but they did have one of the nation's most prolific passers, and uh, that's how they, they did their offense. And then Taylor Haneke moved on. And last year they were going to go to the pro-style set with more tight ends and fullbacks. And then their tight ends and fullbacks got injured and turned into a different mess. But this year there has been no mess. And this team been extremely competitive. David Washington is a former wide receiver. He's a quarterback that moved to receiver, back at quarterback. The number that jumps out to me is 28 touchdown passes, four interceptions. You don't expect that from that type of athlete. He's also run for 205 yards. They've got Ray Lowry and Jeremy Cox running the ball and a bevy of outstanding wide receivers. Plus, their defense has made the strides you would expect, throwing the football less and running the football more and then getting these players. In fact, there's a, a, most of the players that started for that ODU team three years ago wouldn't be even be backups on this year's team. They're that much better. I love the way ODU is playing right now. Right now, they're a four-point favorite in this game. I got to lean with Old Dominion, even though Eastern Michigan has impressed me a lot this year. And by the way, Michael, yep. in the magazine, I, yep. I think we were the only one that didn't pick Eastern Michigan in the basement. I picked them to escape the basement this year. I was very pleased oh, they got right. out of it. Yes, very good call there, Phil, in the MAC West. And remember now, these two teams, they played in 14 and they played in 15 as well um, with, um, with uh, Old Dominion winning in 14 at home, and then uh, also winning a tight one in the opener in 15 at Eastern Michigan. So that is your uh, Popeye's Bahama Bowl. That will be December 23rd in Nassau. All right, Jim DeBosta, let's go. you got uh, a lot of uh, uh, tweets coming your way and with a tremendous amount of uh, questions and thoughts on bowl games. So fire away, Jim, on the Twitter side. We love social media. Firing away, Michael, and we're firing away with Mike Adamchek. He said, Baylor showed some fight versus West Virginia to end the season. Do you expect them to show up versus Boise, or do you think they're just going to be going through the motions? And that's a key question when you come to Baylor, because, uh, you know, as you touched on, generally in the bowls, a lot of it is the team that doesn't want to be there versus the team that wants to be there. You know Boise's excited to take on a team from the Big 12, you wonder what Baylor's frame of mind is. Here's a team that opened up 6-0, and lost their last six games, have a coach that's not going to be there next year, have assistants that aren't going to be there next year. Why in the heck would they even show up for this game? But 
I like what I saw in that game against West Virginia. You would figure that would have been a game they would have mailed in. They let almost start to finish. Probably should have won that game. And even the games against Texas Tech, Kansas State, and Oklahoma, I thought they were done in more by turnovers. Now, they've had a freshman quarterback in Zach Smith, 10 touchdown passes, 6 interceptions. Uh, he's played like a freshman at times. But they still have Terrence Williams. They still have Shock Linwood, and they still have Jermichael Hasty, a running back. They still have Katie Cannon, a receiver. So they have a, a good talent there at the receiving core and at running back. And uh, you also have a team that's uh, got some guys on defense as well. Boise hasn't blown me away this year. A lot of times they've been favored. They beat Colorado State by five. They beat Utah State by 11. Uh, you know, they they haven't been blowing teams out, especially at home. Now, this one's on the road. They've got Jeremy McNichols. Uh, Brett Rippon is a guy with a 23-6 ratio this year. They've got 2,000-yard receivers. They've got the stronger defense. But Baylor has played the much tougher schedule this year. So I'm actually going to leave with Baylor plus the points. I like Boise to win the game, but I think Baylor does show up uh, to answer your question. Sean Stokes. He says Troy versus Ohio is an interesting mid-major matchup that he just can't get a feel for. How do you see this one playing out? You know, line these two teams up on paper, and I am taking Troy and taking them all day. They, uh, they have a lot of talent, especially on the offensive side of the football. Uh, you look at uh, Brandon Silvers is a guy with a 22-9 ratio. they got a 1,000-yard running back in Jordan Chun. They've got some explosive receivers, and they have a respectable defense, giving up just 364 yards per game. Ohio giving up 364 yards per game. But when I look at the, the actual personnel in the defensive front seven, I'm going to give the edge to Ohio. I've, my buddy here, Michael, has been talking about Ohio's D-line, Ohio's linebackers this year. I've been listening, and I've been watching when they're on the field. Yeah, they do have good talent there. So I, I think they've got good talent in the defensive seven. And also they got this coach, uh, Solich, I think it is, Frank Solich. Yeah. There's a tremendous, tre- yeah, tremendous job as an underdog. I mean, you, you look at that Western Michigan game, he played it exactly mm-hmm. what you would think. He was outmanned personnel-wise. Western Michigan could have blown him out of the water early, but he kept making them settle for field goal, settle for field goal, settle for field goal. Next thing you know, you got yourself a football game. It's a six-point game at the end, and Ohio had their hands on the ball with a chance to uh, act, actually win it, and that's just the way Coach Solich does it. So they, I look at the number on this game. Troy's given four. I think the two teams are fairly even. Uh, I'm going to have to lean with the underdog Ohio in this one just because of the coach on the sidelines. Yeah. Hey, real quick, too, how, how do you like this? Frank Solich, 72 years young, as we know, Phil, and Neil Brown, half that age, 36 years old. So this is, you got the real dichotomy here with the, the veteran Solich at 72 years old and young Neil Brown at 36 years old with Troy. That'll add to the intrigue a little bit, right? And I'm, I'm taking the points and going with Frank Solich in Ohio for all the reasons you laid out, Phil. And, and I will say this, I'm not saying that Troy's head coach is not good because Neil Brown, I'll be honest with you, when I do my all-Sun Belt team, I contact Coach yep. Brown. I say, Brown, Coach Brown, help me out here. You know, and he can break down every single one of his opponent's players and tell me strengths and weaknesses. I mean, this guy studies the game, but it's just that Coach Solich is tremendous as an underdog, and i got so much respect for him as well. Pierce Liaska says, does Navy still have the offensive firepower to win a shootout with AB at quarterback, or do they have to rely on their defense to beat Louisiana Tech? 
Well, if they're relying on their defense to beat Louisiana Tech, they're in for a long game. That's <laughs> because Louisiana yeah. Tech's going to yeah. Louisiana yeah. Tech's going to put the put the points on the board against anybody they face. Uh, you look at them offensively. Ryan Higgins is hitting sixty six percent with a thirty seven A ratio. Thousand yard runner and Jared Kraft. They've got Trent Taylor and Carlos Henderson at, re- at receiver. Fifteen hundred and seventy and fourteen hundred and six yards. And Navy doesn't have the type of athletes that can run with them, and they don't face a pass offense every day. Yeah, Louisiana Tech's going to get their points. But to answer your question, yes, Navy will get their points as well. Now, granted, Louisiana Tech has a little extra time to prepare for the option. A.B. is actually the third-string quarterback. Remember, Tago Smith was the starter coming into the year. Woolworth took over. And A.B. had a struggle against Army in the bowl, or in their uh, big game in the first half. They had one first down. They did put up seven first downs in the second half and looked a lot better, even though they only had 201 yards for the game. But that was against a team that normally faces the option. LT doesn't normally face the option. That's an advantage of Navy. He's also got a couple extra weeks to work with the number ones in this one. And Navy's offense won't miss too many beats here in the fact that they just played two weeks ago. So whereas Louisiana Tech's been sitting for a while, Navy has just played last week. They're going to be a little bit fresher coming into this one. So uh, I I think Navy, I I love the point total in this one. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. Total right now is 66. I'm going over that total as my favorite play. But I'm going to take the generous points here with Navy. I think if Navy had Woolworth at quarterback, they might have been a one-point favorite in this game. But now with A.B., they're a a five-and-a-half-point underdog. That makes me lean a little bit to the underdog in the quarterback injury system. All right. So even without the starting QB, uh, we'll see uh, how this shakes out. Ken Niamatololo coming off the loss against Army. This is part one of our Strongest Steel Bowl preview. I'm Michael Regai with uh, the guru of all things college uh, football bowl season, Phil Steele, our producer, Jim Nabosna. We're going through uh, half of the uh, just bountiful holiday season of bowl games. And then next Wednesday, December 21st, 1 o'clock, We'll be live on Blog Talk Radio, and again, uh, you can gear up for that as we'll pick up uh, right before the New Year Six and, of course, the college football playoff. All right, let's keep rolling here, and uh, let's uh, take it to Honolulu, Phil, the Hawaii Bowl, where, of course, those, uh, those rainbows of Hawaii get set to go against Middle Tennessee. And just a pop quiz here for you, Phil. Uh, who's had the biggest year at running back as far as yards per carry this year? Has it been Dalvin Cook of Florida State, Christian McCaffrey, Stanford, Donnell Pumphrey, who we talk about every week and is phenomenal at San Diego State? No, no, and no. Phil, how about almost seven yards per carry, 6.8 yards per tote? For Itavius Mathers of Middle Tennessee State, does he give them an edge in the Honolulu Bowl? Well, you got the answer to that question, Michael. Now, I'm going to ask you this. what Did you know that, five, by the way? Uh, you know what? I did not. So you would have got me on that. If you would have <laughs> asked me that without us, if... Since you asked me that on the Middle Tennessee State game, I would have got it. I would have said it's Mathers. But out of the blue, right. no, I wouldn't have. But I'm going to give you this. What Power 5 school is Octavius Mathers a transfer from? Ah, mm. uh, I know this. I know this. 
Uh, Five seconds. Was it Cal? Pac-12? Cal? Cal. No. No. California. No, Pac-12. No. No. Ah, Ole Miss. You got me. He was he was one yes, of the bevy of running okay. backs at Ole Miss. He was a PS number 30 running back. So PS Ooh, number 30 running strong. backs don't play in the CUSA. And what happens when no. a PS number 30 running back plays in the CUSA? How about 1,540 yards rushing, 6.9 yards per carry, mm. 16 touchdowns, and 553 yards receiving, 9.4 yards per carry. So that just tells oh. you. And you look at some of the weapons they have. Richie James, one of the most exciting wide receivers you're going to watch. This guy was dynamic in the bowl game last year. Remember watching last year's uh, Bahamas yeah. Bowl when they found Western Michigan? Right. Uh, Richie James lit it up, and he's doing it again this year, 1,463 yards, 15.1 yards per carry. Now, this one's not on the board in Vegas, and you're probably wondering why. The question is Brent Stockstill. Brent Stockstill, their outstanding mm-hmm. quarterback, went down against uh, UTSA, and they lost that game. He was out versus Marshall. They lost that game. Against Charlotte, his backup, John Urzua, when he got injured, what they ended up using, or actually against Florida Atlantic, I should say, what they ended up using was four different players at the quarterback spot. They used Richie James. They used Mathers. They used everybody back there but a quarterback. They ran out of the Wildcat the whole game and piled up 757 yards. Stock still is practicing. He had a broken collarbone. They think he's going to be able to play in this game. So if Stock still's back, look out. That's a pretty potent offense. Now, Hawaii's advantages in this game is the fact they're at home. Uh, which is always nice because the kids from Middle Tennessee, let's face it, you're in Hawaii, you're going to treat it a little bit like a vacation. The Hawaii kids are just going to go home every night to their apartments and then come back and, and play the game. So it's more of a business game for them. They've also played the tougher schedule. Hawaii's taking on my number 82 schedule versus the 126. And they've been a different team since Drew Brown's come in at quarterback. Drew Brown's been pretty dynamic, 62% completions, a 15-8 ratio. Uh, and defensively, the two teams fairly close. I'm not sure where the, where the number is going to come out in this one. I think middle wins the game, but I don't think it's going to be by a large margin. So, well, I think Vegas is going to end up making middle probably close to a touchdown favorite in this. I'm going to take the points with Hawaii. All right. Do you think it'll you think it'll get back off the board when there's a determination made on uh, Stockstill? Yeah, they they will probably put on it. I think I think we'll learn. I'm right now leaning towards the fact that I think Stockstill is going to play in this game. He's been back participating in practices. He says he's going to play just has to be cleared by the doctors. I think he gets cleared and played, and I think this game will be back on the board in a couple of days. All right. Half a dozen more to go here on our Part 1 uh, Bowl Preview Show on Strong as Steel. Michael Regai, Phil Steele, and our producer, Jim Nabosna. Don't forget, get ready. Cause this is why you're with us. you got to get to philsteel.com and get your confidence pool assessments together and we know that that's something you're going to want to participate in confidence pool it's up right now at philsteel.com phil just let's come back to the mainland shall we will come from honolulu to st petersburg florida and uh boy i hate this building tropicana field just a terrible place to play football or baseball but uh, be that as it may it's the mac against the sec that's right, the Mac, Chuck Martin in Miami, the Red Hawks, Phil. They started out 0-6 on the year. Many of them were by less than seven. I believe four of the six were by seven points or less. They lost their starting quarterback. They rebounded. They won six in a row. I voted for Chuck Martin as the Mid-American Conference Coach of the Year. But now they got to go see from the SEC, Mississippi State Bulldogs, Dan Mullen's squad. 
Phil, I got to tell you, I'm going to attach a lot of confidence points to this one. I'll let you guess as you assess what side that may be on. <laughs> well, let's see. Mississippi State's a 13-point favorite. You know, the one advantage Miami has here is is defensively. They're giving up 355 yards per game. Mississippi State, 477 yards per game this year. Uh, they're actually allowing 45 yards more than what their opponents average. Miami holding their opponents to 43 yards less. But let's keep in mind, Mississippi State has been taking on teams like LSU, Auburn, Texas A&M, and Alabama, nine bowl teams all together. Miami took on Iowa and five bowl teams all together. My number 31 schedule against the number 100 schedule. Now, you touched on the quarterback. I think Gus Ragland, once he came in, phenomenal. This guy hasn't yeah. thrown an interception yet. 15 touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Alonzo Smith ran for 689 yards. All those six losses, mostly up, most of them have been close. Mississippi State opened the year 2-5, and five, but did rally. And uh, Mississippi State didn't even finish with six wins this year. They finished just 5-7. and seven. But that win over Mississippi in the season final and the academic that they had. Who would have thought Mississippi State right at the top of the academics for the five and seven teams, and it lands them into a bowl game. So that's uh, pretty big news there. The key is going to be Nick Fitzgerald. Can he get loose against the Miami defense? It plays pretty good against the run because Nick Fitzgerald is, is really the key. He's the leading rusher, leading passer. They've got Fred Ross. But uh, I think when you take a look at SEC athletes, uh, in a game, Mississippi State has to win. I mean, they've got to feel like they just got a reprieve from the warden. At one point, they were four, or, uh, four and seven, and eliminated yeah. from bowl chances. Now here they are in a bowl after beating Mississippi. They're going to be pumped up for this game. I'm, I'm believe it or not, Michael. I'm going to go with Mississippi State, and I got a feeling I understand what your high bowl confidence yeah. play yeah. is going to be on here. Oh, yeah, and, you know, it's got to come against my guy Chuck Martin and uh, the fabulous job he did, and uh, as we said, winning six in a row, but, yeah, very high. I'm talking maybe 39, 40 high here uh, in this one, and, of course, again, that is the St. Petersburg Bowl. All right, let's come from uh, Florida, uh, Central Florida, right back into the Motor City of Detroit. Ford Field, the home of the Detroit Lions, December 26th, the Quick Lane Bowl. Phil, you know, I just I just went to Boston College and called Boston College as uh, they beat UConn in the second to last week of the regular season. Steve Adazio's squad, they're sitting there, and they had to win three in a row, and they did. They won out. Now they're going to get D.J. Durkin in Maryland from the Big Ten, who was off to the real strong start against less than competition. And then once the Big Ten kicked in, it became a different story. So Boston College and Maryland. But Phil, the last I saw, Maryland's a one-point favorite. Is that is that what you have? Is that correct? Uh, yeah, Maryland's a one-point favorite. One. And uh, all right, you, you know when I when I look at this game, Michael, uh, the key to me, one of the keys, and uh, a big one in Maryland's case, is Perry Hills, their quarterback. Now, when they yeah. have had Perry Hills start and play an entire game this year, there's something like 6-1. and one. The games that they got blown out in, I'm talking about Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska, uh, Penn State, Minnesota, those were games where Perry Hills either missed or got injured in the first quarter, and they were down to Terrell Pegram, or how about Max Bortenschlager, who actually started against Nebraska <laughs> in that game there. So, uh, you know, yeah, they've been a Max. different team. 
Yeah, they've been a different team with or without Perry Hills. Hills will be available here. So you've got the 6-1 and one Maryland team, uh, but it is still a Maryland team that gives up a lot of yards and a lot of points. They give up 4.9 yards per carry, and that plays right in the hands of B.C. Now, as we've talked about on the show before, Michael, I feel that Boston College is a team that's a great bully. It's right in Steve uh, Dazio's alley. He likes to be physical. He likes to punch you in the mouth. And if he can get you in a box and get you in a phone booth, he's going to pummel you to the body and work you down and beat you. But if he has to chase you around the field like a chicken, trying you know trying to chase a chicken, forget about it. <laughs> when he took on those teams with the exciting offenses like Clemson, Syracuse, Louisville, Florida State, even Virginia Tech, blowout city. So what type of team has Maryland got? I think they're one that he can get in a phone booth, even with Perry Hills. And I think he will play a good bully here. So I'm actually going to lean with Boston College. Better defense, a matchup where Maryland's not the type of team that can run away from them. And if you're not going to run away from Steve Adazio, his teams are going to pummel you to the the body blows all game long until they finally beat you by a field goal at the end. Yeah, I'm with you. He did it when he was head coach at Temple. And uh, you're spot on with your assessment of how he likes to play the game. So I'm with Phil I'll go with Boston College. All right, let's uh, let's take it into the heart of Dallas Bowl, Dallas, Texas. Where, how about Jeff Monken last week? Hey, Phil, that was feel a feel good story situation. I mean, my goodness, hadn't won since uh, 2001. Army and Navy, they've got North Texas. To, so North Texas going to go into Dallas. Army's a big favorite here. Um, I don't know. You think they're going to have a little hangover from that uh, that big win over Navy and finally getting uh, rid of that uh, that bad taste of not being able to beat the middies? Yeah, you know, I can make a case for North Texas in numerous factors here. Uh, the first one is, as you touched on, this game's in Dallas. Uh, so North Texas is 39.8 miles away. Uh, Army is 1,585 miles away. But Army does have a lot of uh, Army bases in Texas, and when they go play games in Texas, they usually have the crowd edge, and they usually win. So that's that sort of offsets the fact that it's in the neighborhood for North Texas. But another advantage for North Texas, as you touched on, Army's coming off the big win over Navy. And the third one would be North Texas beat Army this year, 35-18, yeah. and here they are, a 10-point underdog uh, right there they're in their own neighborhood. But in that game, Army was actually minus six in turnovers. So that had a big factor in why they lost. And I like the way Army's playing right now. Ahmad Bradshaw's doing a good job at QB. I loved Army plus the points against Navy last week in the under. Both were solid winners. Army had a 351 to 201 yard edge. And defensively, they've got a large advantage here. Army, believe it or not, Army holding opponents at 91 yards below their season average, which is the 11th best in the country. North Texas's defense allowing uh, 27 yards above their season average, which is number 90 in the country. But North Texas did already face the Army option. They're facing it again with extra time to prepare for. So I can make a lot of factors going in that North Texas uh, favor there. I like Army to win the game, but with all those factors in North Texas' side and the fact let's Army's not that explosive. It's not like they're going to blow somebody out uh, you know, on a weekly basis. No. So I, I, I'm going to lean with the points in North Texas for all the, the factors that we talked about. Yeah, I think i got to do the same with you with the points. I'm going to take Army to win it. Ahmad Bradshaw oh, yeah. through the yeah. spray straight up 
and avenge that loss, as Phil mentioned, uh, in October against North Texas. All right, for the the, uh, Bowl Confidence Contest, do you – Jimmy's going to join, right, Jimmy? And, uh, Jimmy, do you and Michael have a side bet on the Bowl Confidence Contest coming up? And and when are you guys going to get your entries in? We've got to get the entry. Well, we only got those – yeah, Saturday morning. Well, hey Jim, while it's fresh in our minds, right? We at least might as well do. Uh, we got to. We got to get them all in anyway. So, uh, and we invite all of you to as well at philsteel.com. It's up and ready for you. The confidence pool. You look at every game. You attach. You think, uh, hey, this team's going to blow the other team out. I really like that team. You give them a high amount of confidence points. Games that you kind of waffle back and forth then that's going to be lower for you. So we've been kind of giving you a little bit of insight into how we see it uh, through the course of the year. Phil, let's touch on the uh, Holiday Bowl in San Diego, Mike Leach in Washington State. I, you know, what did I see, Phil? I was looking at this game today, and, I, Phil, I, I will tell you, I didn't know. I looked at it three times. Of course, at Phil Steele's, uh, at philsteele.com, of course, I looked at it. Minnesota's quarterbacks have only thrown eight touchdown passes for the entire season. Eight touchdown 12, passes in 12 games. And, and 12 I, I look at wait a minute. And 12 picks. Right. Um, Luke, Falk, <laughs> Luke Falk has thrown four TDs in a game or more 12 times in his career with Mike Leach at Washington State. Is that something that we all should really take into uh, account as we're trying to assess this one, Washington State versus Minnesota? Well, you know, it's a clash of styles. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is when you look at Minnesota, they're a run offense. That's what they do. They run the football. Rodney Smith, 1,000-yard rusher. They've got Shannon Brooks uh, on and off, banged up this year, but still rushed for 600 yards. Mitch Leidner, their quarterback, he's a big boy probably a better runner than he is passer, even though he's getting looks by the NFL scouts. I don't know how much after a 7-12 ratio this year. But their offensive linemen, when they fire off the ball, they they go forward. They fire off the ball. Meanwhile, Washington State's, their offensive linemen go backwards. So it's a completely different style. You know, Washington State's throwing a football over the field, rarely run the ball well. They've run the ball better this year than they have in past years, uh, but still just 127 yards per game. Now, unexpectedly today a whole bunch of players got suspended for minnesota talking about five defensive backs a lot of these guys are backups but uh, still five defensive backs going against this washington state uh pass offense you got to wonder how that's going to hurt them so i'm gonna have to see how that shakes out the line went from washington state being about seven seven and a half point favorite they're up to nine and a half that thing may continue to climb and the total in the game is 61. I think with the clash of styles, I usually like to go with the old because it's tough for Washington State to uh, prepare for Minnesota because they don't have that type of offensive line coming right at them. And in the same token, it's tough for Minnesota to defend a high-flying pass attack when they don't have quarterbacks that can complete the high percentage of passes. So probably your best bet here would be the over, and it'll be interesting to see how these suspensions shake out. But, uh, you know, Minnesota's a team that they were leading Wisconsin in the fourth quarter. They were leading Nebraska in the fourth quarter. Uh, They only lost to Iowa by seven. They only lost to Penn State by three. So all four of their losses this year have been extremely close, uh, and they play very well in the underdog role. 
Yep. So, uh, yeah, I, I like Mike Leach and Luke Falk and uh, Washington State. And even if the numbers inflated a little bit, I just don't see Minnesota being able to generate enough offense to hang with them. Phil, I do believe that is uh, 21 bowl games in nice. the first part of our show. Now, we're going to pick up next week again. Uh, it'll be live on Blog Talk Radio, 1 p.m., Eastern Time. That's next Wednesday, December the 21st. So make your plans right now. We'll pick up Phil there with uh, you know December 28th, and that features the New Era Bowl in Yankee Stadium in the Bronx, Pittsburgh and Northwestern. You've also got the Russell Athletic, West Virginia and Miami, which could be kind of a tasty bowl treat in that one. So we'll pick up there, and then we'll go through, of course, the New Year's Six and uh, there's a lot of great matchups there, and then on through the college football playoffs. So we still have a lot of ground to cover, but we thought we'd break it up this way rather than in giving you all the information that you can handle and uh, and store into your not only your confidence plays, but how you want to view these uh, these first half of the bowl games. So, uh, but Phil, again, let's touch on. So I, I met PhilSteel.com for the confidence pool. But you got to get SteelsWeeklyPreview.com inside the press box. You assess all these matchups, check mark advantages from Phil as he breaks down all the position groups on the checklist page. Eighty-nine bucks, but Jim Nabosna again one more time. How can you get that for a little bit less? You go to SteelsWeeklyPreview.com, press subscribe now in the right-hand corner. And when you sign up for the postseason package, you enter promo code STEEL and $10 off for $79. You get the, all the bowl games and the NFL playoff games up until the Super Bowl. Wow. That is a beautiful thing to be sure. Phil, Jimmy, I'll tell you what. I feel like I'm better prepared as we've gone through this over an hour. I think I'm better prepared to start my, uh, my, start my uh, bowl confidence pool at philsteel.com. How about you guys? Do you have a side bet with Jimmy on the uh, who's going to beat ah, each other in the uh, bowl confidence pool? Let's come up we're with gonna, one, Jim. Let's come. Let's. What, what, do, what do you think? Yeah. Um, I don't know. We could. Uh, I, I'm. I'd be willing to go a uh, a dinner at a uh, a strong uh, steak or seafood house of the winner's oh. choice. Oh, that sounds good, Michael. That sounds good. I, that, that's why I was waiting for this podcast to fill out my pool. Now I'm locked and loaded for the first 20. I'm coming for that steak. <laughs> that a boy. That a boy. Phil, you could come too. You, you, you could come too. We won't, we won't keep you left out, my man. I appreciate that. <laughs> anytime, anytime you and I get together, Michael, there's always good football conversation. Yes, there is no question about that. And that's why we want all of you to make sure – so we're halfway through again next week, 1 o'clock Eastern time, a week from today, Wednesday, December 21st on Blog Talk Radio. But, um, yeah, um, iTunes, make sure anytime you need you can access the show on iTunes, as Phil likes to say. Well, Phil, you, you always tweet out about whether you're going to work, coming home from work on your lunch break. Hey, that's a great way to, to get it accessed, right? Absolutely. And, you know, iTunes absolutely free. And then once you register, and uh, Jim will confirm this, uh, it, it automatically sends you out the link and lets you know when the next one's ready. Right, Jim? 
That's right. You'll be subscribed, and the, the new link will show up in your, your box the next morning. And one last thing we would love to ask is if uh, you could leave a review, a nice positive review on the iTunes show list. Uh, let us know that you like the show. We appreciate you, and uh, we'd love to hear the feedback. Beautiful. That sounds like a winner. Gentlemen, we're halfway home, but, oh, boy, is this going to be fun starting on Saturday. I think our work for one day is complete. Phil will dive right back into uh, completing his uh, his checklist page, so make sure you check out again inside the press box at stillsweeklypreview.com, confidence pool at philsteel.com. Guys, great job, a lot of fun, and for all of you, we appreciate it. We hope your holiday season is going well. We'll look for you Wednesday, the 21st, 1 p.m. live. Get ready as we'll get through the uh, – the remainder of the bowl season, and, of course, that includes a New Year's Six and a college football playoff. So for my man Phil Steele, the author of the finest college foot, uh, not only magazine, but also uh, anything website-wise that you need from your college football viewing pleasure at philsteele.com. For Phil and for our producer Jim Nabosna, I'm Michael Regai. Have yourself a great beginning of the holiday season, everybody. We'll see you right back here Wednesday, December 21st, 1 p.m., live on Blog Talk Radio for our bowl preview show number two. Until then, have a great bowl season, everybody. We'll talk to you next time. So long.